0: to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website www.thecity.sg. I count it a privilege, you know, to talk about the prophetic. How many of you um, have encountered the prophetic before? Yes? Okay. You know, the, the tough thing about talking about the prophetic is that it's so wide a spectrum, right? And so when I was preparing, I was like, there's so much to talk about. What do I talk about? Um, and this is the difficult thing. If I pry our heads open this morning, we all have a certain perception of what the prophetic is, right? Um, maybe for a new believer, you would deem the prophetic as this um, secret teller that will reveal all your secrets. Uh, and he functions from the pulpit, and when you come, you have to like prepare your heart. And when I say prepare your heart," it means confess all your sins before you come to a prophetic meeting, because if you don't prepare your heart and and like confess all your sins, right, the prophet might just reveal your sins and call you out in the midst of a crowd, right. Uh, and then maybe you are intrigued by the prophetic, but there is a level of reverence, but also a sense of fear maybe, right? And maybe for uh, churchgoers like us. Uh, we are not afraid of that anymore. We know that when we come to a meeting, the person won't call our sin out because it's all about comforting, edifying, and blah, 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 right? But maybe we we subconsciously pray, or maybe you have been, like, looking at every YouTube video about glory clouds. Anybody here? Look through. Oh, you guys know Benny Hinn? Let the bodies hit the floor. Um, that means you belong to this category, okay? If you know that video, means you belong to this category. And... Uh, uh, maybe it's like you come to a prophetic meeting, right? And you want to focus on the Lord. But what happens to you, right? Is you get distracted by... or actually, you don't get distracted. You have overcome the distraction of shofar blowing in. Uh, off-tune pitch, right? You, you can overcome it. Right? You, you can turn a blind ear. Is there a blind ear? <laughs> a deaf ear. <laughs> a deaf ear to, to off-tune shofars, okay? Or maybe, you know, when the flex. Come across your face, you know how to see. I'm ready, right? Or the when the 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 dancing uh, auntie's dancing happens, right? You know that you are focused on the Lord now. Maybe you belong to this category, okay? Um, or maybe you are a prophet to be, or you are a prophet, right? So, uh, like it or not, we like to talk about the prophetic, la. So sometimes we talk about the prophetic as if uh, I received this dream, but inside of us, right? We actually want to show how how credible we are as a spiritual guru, right? Have or not? Or just me? Uh? Okay. So, you know, when you talk about these prophetic things, right? everybody's intrigued because are there spirits, are there ghosts, you know? What's happening in the spiritual realm? What are you seeing? And when we talk about this, right, there is a tendency for us to pride ourselves in the spiritual experiences that we have, right? So, I'm talking to a whole spectrum of people this morning. You might belong to any one of the categories or you don't belong to any one of them okay, I think maybe you don't belong to any one of them, but um, I think today it will be a win if we come to a common understanding about what the prophetic is as a church, right? Uh, and, I, and as I was praying for the church, I felt that God wanted to reactivate us in the area of the prophetic. Amen? Amen? Amen. You want it? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Um, I think it is determined by the hunger level in the midst of this community. How much do we want the prophetic to be manifested in our community is how much we will get the prophetic, right? About four to five years ago, um, I maybe some of you were here, there was a, a, a supernatural move of God that happened in our church. Remember when we were in 50 Macpherson? I don't know uh, if some of you remember, but um, we would have rotting sessions as a youth ministry. Rotting sessions means uh, after service, we were going to eat lunch, and then we'll come back, and we'll just rot there, like, rot for seven hours, like, do nothing, you know? Some people will be, like, studying, some people will be leading worship, and just doing random things, right? But we were rotting. Um, and suddenly, right, uh, in the in a few weeks, uh, Pastor Daniel and actually Jason. They we went to Pasadena and they came back, right? And I don't know what happened there, maybe like angels met them or something, but when they came, right, then when they prayed for us, right, it was like a it was like a revival period in our youth ministry and then it rippled off to the church, you know. You would see like at the site, right, a young people rolling and laughing in the midst of worship, right? And every um, session that we had, there was a the joy of the Lord, there was a the spirit of the move of God. It was precious, you know. Even, you know, he like very like, Very proper, right? He ended up, right, getting whacked by the Holy Spirit And he ended up laughing like crazy And he's like, "Ah, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? And, okay, his sister, alright Who is a very proper She started dancing with angels in the auditorium It was crazy And Moon, he was so laughing, right? He was laughing He was laughing, he was crazy And I was there And I was like, what is happening? Like, seriously, what is happening? And that very Sunday, right, I really got offended with the move of God. Like, what's happening here? Like, why is everybody doing this random, like, weird thing? Like, you touch people, then people start laughing and, like, falling on the floor and flopping like a fish. And I said, God, I also want. I want it too. And then, right, I always remember Andre saying, how come, Ma, when you encounter God, you always cry, one, huh?" Then, oh uh, I, in my head, I, yeah, but I always cry, but I also want to laugh, so I asked people to pray for me, and I never laugh, it's like, I'm very serious, I'm always crying in the presence of God, right, and then I got, I nearly got offended, you know, and I prayed to God that Sunday, I said, God, if you don't touch me this Sunday, I will not believe in this move of God, I will be jaded, and I'll be really offended, okay, and I remember I went, uh, I went for lunch, nothing happened in the service, ma. that's it. I correct law like uh, it, it, it's like that one, uh, right and I I came back and it was a rotting session right so um lo and behold uh, if you remember uh, TNT right he came to me no he was like Constance and he, he laid his hand on me and he prayed for me right and su- my, suddenly my hand started shaking you know you know there are moments where I'm in the presence of God and my hand shakes but it's like like that only la, okay but this moment right when he he My hand was like shaking, you know And it shook, right? For eight hours, eh like, I'm not kidding Like, I, with every shake I felt like God was uh, Removing the offense from my heart He's saying, you know You see, you were offended with me But I will I will show you that I am faithful And it shook, shook. And I, we went to eat suki, uh, And I was eating like that and I couldn't eat, right? And then I went home And I shook, right? I shook Then when I went home Nobody at home, right? So I shook from the hand It became my whole body And I was flopping like a fish on my bed I was so tired, I fell asleep Right? The next morning when I woke up Okay, two things, I felt like a new creation But number two, my hand ticked you You know, it was literally sprained And I was like, what is happening here? Okay, why why do I say that? You know, candidly, um, it was funny But um, there was a move of God at that point in time You know, and I think now, five years later We have the maturity to be able to steward Um, a move of God. And I feel like God is actually reactivating the prophetic in the midst of us. You know, and um, you can be like me initially to be offended with the move of God, but if you actually embrace it, you know, I believe that God can release something in our atmosphere. You know, so can we just close our eyes for a minute? I want you to just talk to God and say, God, whatever your move looks like, I want to receive it. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your move of God um, in, in the midst of us. And Lord, we ask that right now, would you just open up our hearts to embrace uh, whatever you have in store for us, God. We believe that the spiritual realm is as real as our physical realm and we want to pull down what is in heaven unto earth this morning. We thank you and we praise you and all of God's people. Say, Amen. Amen. Alright, um, so today I want to talk about cultivating a prophetic culture, Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, if that is you, um, I want you to say, God, I want this. God, I want okay, awesome. You guys are very responsive. I love it. So um, I like this analogy. Um, if you know what this is, this is like a call operating center, you know, in the olden times. So if you want to make a call, you have to go to a specific phone booth. And when you make the call, these call operators will literally take like um, a, a hard wire from where you are and then connect it to where you want a call right? And um, it used to be like this, right? And I just felt that um, today, God is um, wiring us up to connect to Him, right? And um, the co-operator is God. He has already hooked us up, the Holy Spirit actually, and He has already hooked us up to God to hear from Him for ourselves this morning. And for you who have not tried how to prophesy before, uh, good news is very simple, but of course it takes intentionality. And, um, the Holy Spirit has already hooked your wire up to God. Amen. Okay, um, I just wanna do an ex- uh do something with you guys. Can okay? Uh, can you look at the person next to you, All right? And uh, if you're very close to the person, you can hold their hand. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay? Your whole hand ready? You guys held your hands? Okay. Uh, can you look the person in the eye? Okay, wait, wait, not yet, not yet, okay? <laughs> but you will do this for one minute, okay? When I say start. Okay? All right? Okay, yeah, uh, I'm serious, okay? Let's try, uh. huh? can blink. <laughs> okay. In three, two, one, go. Silence, silence. You cannot be talking. <laughs> no talking. <laughs> no talking, huh? <laughs> Shh, silence. You are thirty five seconds into the exercise. (laughs) (laughs) In five, four, three, two, one, stop. How do you guys like it? You guys like it? How, how, how did it feel like? PD said, I feel like I've never looked at my wife's eye for this long. <laughs> how? Awkward? Very awkward. I think you all cannot answer already. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to turn you to a scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Right? I will explain why I asked you to do that in a bit. Okay, in 1 Corinthians, are you guys there? 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, it says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Uh, I want to talk about the, the purpose of prophecy. All right? When you look at uh, verse 14, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Right? Um, Pursue love, it talks about an earnestly seeking um, a love that in this, the root word is actually agape, the highest form of love to all men, right? Pursue love. And, um, that, and it says desire. Desire means to seek eagerly and to earnestly endeavor to acquire. I like what it says about pursue because it says busy oneself with, okay? And, and if you read the scripture and you replace that word, it says busy oneself with love and earnestly seek spiritual gifts, Okay, why did I ask you to do that exercise? It's not just to make you feel awkward. But when, we, when Paul exhorts the Corinthian church to do this, what he's saying is that the prophetic is as simple as pursuing love horizontally. That means I do my daily life with Christine. I meet her up. I talk. I do life as per normal. I demonstrate love. I intentionally connect with her. But my part's posture is to desire spiritual gifts. Right, and as we do that, and as we connect on an individual level horizontally, and we desire spiritual gifts, what we're saying is, God, I am with Christine, I'm talking to her, but I am desiring that you would speak through me and activate my spiritual gifts so that I can encourage her. And you know, the prophetic, yes, you know, it's all great, it's about the move of God, but today I want to talk about how we can cultivate a prophetic spirit on a daily basis, and it means. It's not the, thus saith the Lord, it's not the prophesying over nations, and that is great, there is a place for that. But I'm talking about all of us functioning in the gifting of prophecy. And I want to say that the prophetic is not meant for just a selected few, but it's meant for all of us to activate in. And we go on to the next scripture and it says that uh, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And so this scripture Paul is telling the Corinthian church that it is better for you to prophesy than to speak in tongues to edify yourself because the Corinthian church was very good in the giftings. Right? But they were always edifying themselves. Shalabah, shalabah. And all that is good in our private life. But what he's saying is that it does not make sense if you do all of that and you don't translate it and communicate it in a way that people can understand it. He uses references like a flute and a harp. And if you play a, like a, a way that people don't understand, what is the use of it? If you speak it in a different language that people don't understand, what is the use of it? And you see that the, pro- that the prophetic is always used to edify the body. It is tongues to men. You don't prophesy to God. You pray to God. You you edify yourself in the Holy Spirit, and you you discover mysteries of God. But you prophesy to men. It is for men, right? And uh, I love this. It says, "But he who prophesies speaks edification." Say edification, edification exhortation, and consolation. In other words, uh, it says comfort, right? And I I believe that. Before I, st- I, I continue, I want to frame our minds about what the prophetic should look like. Paul says it very clearly. The prophetic is meant to edify, exhort, and, cons- and console, to comfort. Never in, once in the scripture do you see correct, call out sin, shame somebody, and tear somebody down. It's the total opposite, right? And I like to think of edification as um, to build up and to add value to somebody, so every time you meet someone, I want to encourage all of us to find a reason and a way to add value to someone. I think it's very powerful if we go to work every day or we go to school every day and we function that way. What, who does he want me to add value to today? I believe that if we do that, we'll be living and practically living out a prophetic lifestyle. It's not about just declaring uh, over atmospheres and all of that. There's a place for that, but are we living the prophetic lifestyle? right? Uh, and when we talk about exhortation, I like to think of it as um, adding momentum to somebody. Right? When you, when you um, edify, you are building and adding value. You are um, looking for every way to add value. But when you exhort, you are adding momentum to someone. For example, if Shen just got a new posting, right? You meet him up and he says, you know, I don't know whether I want to take this new job. You build momentum by saying, Shen, I really believe that, you know, God has ordain this for you and you should go for it. I think you do well. God is in it. It's as simple as that. And you add momentum to people's journeys and they, they flourish in the environment. Right? And uh, when we talk about consolation, uh, it means bringing comfort. When somebody's in need, when somebody has someone who may be passed on or somebody who's sick, you prophesy into the situation and it doesn't have to be religious or flaky. It can just be a word of encouragement. That is prophecy. Amen? And um, I want to say that everybody is entitled to being edified, everyone is entitled to being exalted, everyone is entitled to being consolated. Amen? And therefore, it means that to reach the everybody, we ourselves have to be that everybody. We have to all function in the prophetic for everyone in this world to deserve this privilege. This is a privilege that Jesus died for and it's not meant for a selected few. It's not It's not meant to tear us down. You know, I want to reinstate the credibility of the prophetic in, in our church, you know. I think some of us might have been uh, gone through experiences where we have been hurt by the prophetic. Maybe you have been the one who was called out. I was the one who was called out last time. I got reprimanded in, in the midst of a prophetic and I nearly backslided. I know how it feels, right? And I had to go through my journey of that. Some of you might have been hurt. You know but I believe that the Lord wants to show you his goodness today and reinstate what the true essence of the prophetic is that it is about touching the love nature of God understanding his characteristics and his heartbeat and then simply revealing it to men. All right. Um uh, next slide please. And um so I just want to bring up a few points In order to understand what prophecy is, I want to talk about what prophecy is not in brief, alright? So first thing is that prophecy is not used to call out sin. If you see um, in the scripture, nowhere in verse 1 to 3 does it say that um, the prophetic is meant to correct or uh, arrange dates, mates or babies, right? There's nothing like that, okay? Uh, And I believe that there is a place for correction, don't get me wrong. I believe that if you're called to the office of a prophet, you are meant to align and plumb line the church. But I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. I'm talking about the gifting of prophecy that is available to all. Okay? And um, I believe that correction has a space and a place, but it should be done in conversation and relationship. As a, It has to be in relationship. It can't be you prophesy... In the crowd And you correct people Nobody's gonna receive it It doesn't make sense It doesn't make logical sense And you're just gonna hurt people Right But when it's done In relationship And say No, hey Jason uh, okay <laughs> Never mind Let's not add dirty laundry I'm a good <laughs> wife I'm his crown Right uh, And when we do that In relationship The person listens I mean, that's just, it just makes Logical sense, right um, And number two, alright Prophecy, again Is not meant for a selected few And, um I love this story. Um, Jason, uh, you know my grandma, right? She is actually uh, retired and she has nothing to do. So she has a very good friend. Her best friend is a karaoke owner. Okay? And so, um, my grandma's friend, her name is Auntie Betty, okay? So Auntie Betty uh, has a Karaoke place at uh, Bishan it's, it's not like a shady karaoke place It's just for older people uh, Senior citizens to go and enjoy So it's at a community centre And then, lo and behold, her business expanded lah. So she bought another place in Geylang Geylang So every day I ask my grandma, where are you going? She say, I'm going to Geylang Then I'm like, huh? What are you going to Geylang for? So obviously one day after work I decided I will go down and find out what she's doing right? But on the very same day She actually asked Jason say. Uh, son in, uh, grandson-in-law, right? Jason, ah, uh, can you come to my, my friend's uh, karaoke ah, to pray for the place? Then, then Jason, obviously, as a good grandson-in-law, he couldn't reject it. So when I was at work, he went down himself, okay? And um, because I went down after work, right? I know what the place looks like. And he went down and he said that everybody was, didn't start business as usual. They waited for him to come right, and to pray over the place, because this place in geelong right, it has a temple beside, Chinese temple beside, and a mosque below, yeah, and then there's a karaoke right in the middle of everything, and when you walk in, right, you will see all the, the temple relics and everything, and then you will walk into this room, and then it's a karaoke place, right, so it's like, um, and then Jason went there, and he ended up, he said how to pray, uh, how to pray over the place <laughs> So anyway He went there And prayed for what right So he went there And he prayed over the place right And I told him I said never mind lah. Just go there and pray And then at the same time Just minister to people And he ended up praying for um, Someone who was experiencing um, cancer And who was going for chemotherapy The very next day And he prophesied over them Prophesied over Auntie Betty Prophesied And uh, Then Auntie Betty saying Ah upstairs huh We have a uh, 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 Chinese uh, uh, What's it called Landlord And she brought the Landlord down And the landlord Brought all her Chinese workers down And said hey, You must get prayer From this guy right? And everybody Ended up coming to him He was like A spiritual tanki, Right Like a Christian tanki, You know So uh, my, my 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 family Jokes about it And uh, At the end of the session They gave Jason an Ang Pao Yeah Go business model. No. And no, why, why do I say this? Because I find it funny, but it's so true that most people look at the prophetic or like someone like Jason as the spiritual guru, right? The prophetic one. Only when he comes to pray, we'll wait for him to come and pray. And when he prays, I'll bring everybody to come. But can I say something that the prophetic is not, um, the function of a, uh, the prophetic is not for selected few, it's meant for all of us. Right? And it says that um, it is the call of every believer to be functioning in the prophetic. You know, we are all supposed to be functioning in that, right? And it says to uh, the church of Corinth that you may prophesy. Amen? And it says, I want to go to third point, sorry. Um, it does not have to be religious or flaky. You know, nowhere in the scripture does it say that you have to, um, like, command angels and all of that. But it just says, speak edification, exaltation and comfort to men. Amen? my fourth point, okay, the prophetic is not about predicting the future although it does include foretelling the future, but it's not limited to that, okay, uh, if you look at John for the Samaritan woman when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman, right he didn't talk about the future, did he but she ran away to the village and she, she told them that the prophet is here, Jesus is a prophet how did she realize that Jesus is a prophet when Jesus didn't predict the future, So, the prophetic is not predicting the future. It is basically the testimony of Jesus. Wherever Jesus is revealed, the prophetic happens. Amen? And the last one is this, that um, it is not the usual way of knowing God. In other words, the prophetic is not the infallible word of God. It's not the main way we should be understanding the nature of God and getting to know Him. Alright? So, with that, uh, I want to just talk about my personal journey with regards to the prophetic. Okay, um I believe that all of us go through a journey, and my journey was this: My mom used to be a very, very strong believer, right so that was in the 1990s and I would come back from Tuition I was like maybe about four or five years old, very stressful in Singapore. I' come back from Tuition, and she was at the peak of actually her cancer uh, experience and and um the doctor said that she had only one year to live, but she lived for another five years. So this was in probably like in her fourth year, right? I would come back to a home and then I would hear like worship music being played on and she would literally be in a trance. Like she was literally like praising God, worshiping Him, filled with the tongues of the Holy Spirit and she would be dancing, she would be shaking in her bedroom, on her bed. And nobody in the room. And initially it was very freaky to me. But I started to grow aware of the prophetic and the reality of spiritual things. She, it, w- it would be like so extreme that when she's talking to a friend on the phone, she cannot speak in proper English. It is just gibberish, uh, tongues mixed with English and she would have like actions, you know. Because she was so filled in the Holy Spirit. And that was when the charismatic renewal was happening in Singapore right? And um, there was one day she said, Cons, you know, do you want to experience the spiritual realm? And I said, yes. You know, although I was a bit scared, but she said, can I, can I, let, let's do something. Do you want to receive the gift of tongues? And I said, uh, yes, it's really cool. I don't know what it is, but then she said, okay, if you want it, let's go and lock ourselves in a room for however long until you get the, 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 the uh, tongues, right? And I was like, wow, this is quite cool. And I I gullibly just say, okay. And so I went into the room with her and she was praying for me until I received the Spirit of tongues. It took about two to three hours, right? And I think, I look back and I, I was like, that is the best gift any mom or parent can give to her child. And that was when I received um, the, the gift of th- tongues, all right? Um, and then it transited to this when I was in um, my, our previous church one day I went for a prophetic uh, service and suddenly the, the the prophet actually called my name out and I was like, oh yeah, I got a prophetic word, right? But lo and behold, the prophetic word was... Um, It was a a correction, and it was one of those things that if you don't do this, you will miss the mark of God in your life kind of prophecy. And I got really scared about it, all right? I'm not going to mention names. Uh, I think everybody grows in a prophetic, right? Um, But I, I was... I was so scarred by that. I remember I had to talk to my leader and my leader had to talk to Pastor Daniel because I nearly backslided. I was like, what is this God doing to me? You know, I, I was so embarrassed in front of people because it wasn't really a true word. right? And um, it progressed on, the prophetic progressed on for me uh, when my, my secondary school friend told me a ghost story. Right? She, we went for a camp one day and she told me a ghost story Uh, And I went home And I literally got spiritually oppressed I felt like a spirit came on me And I I felt something press on me Yet I could hear my grandma outside watching TV And I couldn't shout I couldn't say anything And again, that was my next journey in the prophetic I was like, what is this, you know Um, But never once had I Understood the prophetic as Touching the love of God You know, it was always scary Right? And uh, it also progressed on to the fact that After that, un- that fear unlocked spiritual experiences for me I had a series of sp- uh, spiritual attacks That I didn't know how to manage It usually happened at the hour of 6 to 7 o'clock Because that was when I later found out That was when my mom actually passed away And so that doorway opened um, spiritual attacks to come to me And I didn't know how to handle it right? Um But after a while, I would start to actually test how to overcome demonic attacks and I started to understand the reality of the spiritual realm when I experienced these things. Because every time uh, I would have a spiritual attack, there would be a redemptive story to that experience. So funny story like I would I would fall asleep like before I go for class like 8:30 class my grandma would send me to school early 7:30 I would be in class and then I would just put my head down and I sleep and I literally would get like a spiritual oppression like I literally would hear things in the classroom and stuff like that and or like when I was in JC and I was sleeping in the canteen and then suddenly I I feel something on me or I I I hear things around me but why why do I talk about this um I feel like God has schooled me in the school of hard knocks with regards to understanding the prophetic. And I want to say that the prophetic, although it was like the negative side, uh, I've had good experiences as well, um, it is so real that it's like, it's like as if I pinch you right now. And I want us to get it. It's, it's, the spiritual realm is so real that it's more real than our reality. So there'll be moments where I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in an experience and I can hear what's going on around me, but this, the, the experience feels more real than everything else around me. And why do I say this? I know like, the, the stories are almost everywhere, but what I want to say is that the spiritual realm is very, very, very real. It is very, very, very real. But we have a part in taking what is real not the negative stuff, of course, the, the good stuff, like edification, exaltation, and pulling it down to to earth and giving it to people. Not the spiritual attacks, uh, but but the good things, right? Um, and so I would literally test, you know, like, because it, it was almost like so consistent, right? I would test, like, if I breathe slower, would I feel that um, there's nothing on me or like, you know, maybe it's not a spiritual attack. And, 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 Uh, I would really test it out. Sometimes I would pray in tongues, sometimes I would keep quiet, you know. I would try different things. But the the spiritual realm became so real to me that I cannot deny its existence. Alright? But it transited to this point where God was revealing to me that really the prophetic is not about all these experiences. It really isn't. It is about touching the love of God and then Knowing his heart and revealing it to people. Amen? So, uh, I just want to give you three points, alright? And um, how do we cultivate a prophetic spirit in our lives and the community? How many of you want to cultivate a prophetic spirit? Okay? Quickly, let's go into the first point. I believe that the prophetic is anchored in, it should be anchored in intimacy. We have to pursue intimacy with Jesus and therefore know his heartbeat and be messengers of his heart and deliver it to a world that needs it. Alright, um, I want to read John 17. Can we turn to that? Can you see? No. Are you guys there? Okay, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one in me as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me and the glory which you gave me and I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave to me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given to me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. I love this picture because um, this scripture is about being welcomed into the family and being one with God, the Father and Holy Spirit. I like to take this analogy. Can I get a Christian here? Uh, Jason? Uh, You shall be the father. Jason shall be the Holy Spirit. Uh, Aaron, can you help me out? You can be um, Jesus. And uh, Daryl, you can be you. Alright? So I like this scripture because what it shows us is this. uh, I need you all to hug very closely, the Trinity. Okay? Yeah, just stay there. Alright? And. Um, every time we, we believe and we come into the presence of God or we live in the presence of God, it's essentially this. Um, Daryl, can you go inside? <laughs> Alright? I want you guys to remember this picture, okay? Because when you are one in Him and, 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 and nestled in the Trinity, it looks like this. Uh, and every time um, Holy Spirit talk to the Father, say, I love you, Okay, the Father says to Jesus, then just keep going. Can you expand your vocabulary? You are my delight. Ah, My delight. You do my will. You are, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, but every time they are communicating this way, you must understand that the Trinity is complete. They are fully satisfied by themselves. But they choose to allow Daryl to come into um, their embrace, right? And when this happens, every time the Holy Spirit speaks to the Father, he speaks and he says, I love you, right? Daryl receives that I love you and he says it back to the Father. I love you. Okay? And every time the Father says something else. Something else. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Jesus. I love Jesus too. You see, every time um, you are nestled within the Trinity, whatever the Holy Spirit and the Father and Jesus, whatever conversations they have, goes through you. And all you have to do is say it out. Okay? Thank you very much. I love you. (laughs) And it's very simple. The prophetic is this, just being nestled in the Trinity, believing in John 17, that you are one with them, and then knowing their heartbeat and speaking it out. Simple? Simple. Very simple, right? So, we want to pursue intimacy. We want to prioritize our relationship with God. Alright, my next point. How do we um, cultivate the prophetic spirit in our lives? I believe that we have to live connected to others. You see, the prophetic only happens and flourishes within the context of relationships. I repeat, okay? The prophetic happens and flourishes within the context of relationships. All the introverted people, I'm so sorry. This is how God works. Okay? I want to turn you to a scripture. Numbers 11, verse 24. Okay. So just a context because I won't read the whole passage. The children of Israel um, got saved and they are now still complaining because they have to eat manna every day. Alright? And they say they want meat. And Moses is in this place where he's saying, "How, how... How do I cope with these people? 600 men on foot and they want meat. What do I do? And the Lord says, they want meat, right? I've been giving them manna every day. They want meat, right? I will give them meat. If you read the message version, it says that I will give them so much meat that meat will come out of their nostrils. Okay? But what he's saying essentially is that you want, I will give to you. But um, he approached Moses and he said, Moses, I know what you are feeling, so I don't want you to bear this burden alone. Okay, because of all, this, all these complaining people. Can you gather 70 men that are righteous and responsible and meet me in the tabernacle and I will speak to them directly? Okay, so this, that is the context of the scripture. And in 25 it says, um, 24 it says, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in a cloud, say cloud, And spoke to him and took off the spirit that was upon Moses, him, and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men, say two men, had remained in camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. Funny names. And the spirit rested upon them and now they were amongst those listed but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. Okay, you get the last scripture, it says, but two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were amongst those that had not gone up to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. Interesting, right? Moses calls for a meeting, and and the tabernacle represents the presence of God. Seventy men were gathered, right? Two of them somehow didn't get the memo, they were back in camp. Right? But the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them. Seventy of them were prophesying, but two of them were back in camp. And the Spirit of the Lord also fell upon them, and they were prophesying. You know, what I want to say is this, that the prophetic happens in the context of covenanted relationships and connections with people. You know, the city church has an inheritance, and when you are part of the city church, and when you live in accountability and relationship with people, and you flourish in that... There is a, a breakthrough that is released over your life as well. So whatever somebody wins in a breakthrough, you get to partake of as well. The prophetic happens in covenanted relationships, alright? I want to give an example. Um, how many of you were here when Sean was around? Yeah? The first time, I remember Jason was actually behind the sound booth. He was very tired. And then Sean Bowles turned to um, Pastor Daniel and said, Where's your brother? right?" And then Jason, like, huh? <laughs> okay, and he came out. And before he could even walk up to the front, he said that it was as if like there was a wall that crashed upon him. He couldn't move to the front. And in this prophecy, um, Sean Bowles was um, prophesying over Jason, calling things out. Like, for example, his desire to have a stadium event that nobody knew only I knew because I was on the bus ride with him, he called it out. He also called out an experience that Jason had in uh, either Kansas City or Changi Cove about how the Lord spoke to him about um, um, building a prayer and worship movement in Singapore. And he was calling out different things like dates of uh, his birthday and everything. But in the midst of all that glory, he just said, are you married yet? And at that point in time, Jason said, not yet. I um, Mind you, I was actually in the office. I was doing my work and I was just like um, sending quotations and stuff, right? And then he said, are you married Yeah, He says, no. Um, I see this girl riding on a buffalo, right? And then like, I'm <laughs> uh, riding on a buffalo. And um, did she study something to do with communications or business, you know? And Jason was like, yeah. Because I went to the University of Buffalo, right? And um, uh, he prophesied. And after he made that statement, he went on to prophesy something about our our our... Um, friend, his name is Andrew And about a prophetic movement and all of that So you must understand that this whole prophetic world Was like maybe 10 minutes long My section was only 30 seconds Okay, I'm not comparing la, Okay, but Okay, so obviously people call me after that la, And they they, they recorded and they told me About the story And you know I, Do you know that to you right It might just seem really cool that I was riding on a buffalo Because I went to that school Right, but not many people know that that word that was released over me changed my mind and perception of God radically. Why? When I was young, I would always choose the harder thing. I would choose to go to JC because it's the harder thing. I can go into the wilderness and I can lean on my father. I had a very warped mentality about the father's love. I would always choose the harder thing. You ask me to go do whatever, go overseas or whatever, I will say, yeah, I will choose the harder thing so that I can rely on God and be that, that, that one who overcomes in the wilderness. Only when it came to my university education, did I choose what I wanted? And because the Lord was revealing to me that he says, I'm a good father, what is in your heart? And I tell you, it, nobody knew, but it was the first time I dared to make a decision to go to that school. My whole family wanted me to go overseas. I stayed in Singapore. Uh, and... and the first time in my life, I decided that, okay, I believe that God, you know what's on my heart and unless there's a red flag, I will go and I can trust your goodness. And so when, when he prophesied that I was riding on a buffalo, it didn't represent a school that I was going to. It represented a mentality shift that I know that the Father loves me and he cares about me and I don't have to be in fear, God, what do you want me to do? I don't have to always choose the harder thing and it radically changed the way I made decisions in life. I function in a freedom And and you know 10 minutes is one thing Right? The prophecy But 30 seconds When the word of the Lord speaks straight into your heart It means so much right? And why, why do I say that? I was in a relationship with Jason Not a covenantal relationship then But when he experienced the, the goodness of God And the spirit of the Lord upon him I benefited even though I was not in the service Do you understand the power of relationships? You get to experience the breakthrough of somebody else Even though you're not there that is why we have to be plugged into a community. That is why we're pursuing the prophetic together, not alone. And again, I'm sorry, introverted people, that's not how it works. You can't experience a prophetic isolated. It doesn't work that way, all right? And my last point is this, right? The prophetic is about calling out the goal in people. Say, call out the goal. Not the goal, ah. Huh? Call out the goal, Okay? I love um, Andre's sermons. Uh, he set the stage for me about the culture of honour. Can we just give him a round of applause? You know, the Saturday before his last sermon, he was in, the, in his office the whole entire day, I, until I don't know what time, but I, the, the amount of commitment and research that goes into each sermon and preparation, I, I really think it's phenomenal, right? And I want to honour him for that. But um, the prophetic thrives in a culture of honour, it thrives in a culture of honour. When, when you are celebrated, the prophetic is natural because it's very, very safe. You are not afraid of saying the wrong thing. Right? Um, I want to turn you to a scripture, John 4. This is the last scripture. Okay, because of time, I won't read the entire scripture, but you guys know the story, right? Um, Jesus was going to Galilee, but he made a a detour to Samaria and he met the the Samaritan woman. Okay, Um, in this experience, you must understand that Jesus did things that confounded um, the people at that time. Like what Andre said, you know, um, he shared about how there were about 100 laws at that point in time that were anti woman right? And the Samaritans were second class to the Jews and the Jews were second class to the Romans. So it was illegal for Jesus to be talking to the Samaritan woman and hanging out with her. It was illegal. It was, it was like, you're not supposed to do that. But Jesus valued the Samaritan woman so much that he stopped and he waited and he actually spoke to her. Okay, um, I love what Andre talked about that Jesus revealed to her that she had five husbands, and the husband that she was staying with is not her husband. At that time, women were not allowed to divorce their husbands. So what she, the, Jesus was communicating is not calling out her sin, but identifying the level of rejection that she has actually experienced, right? And you must understand that he said, like, oh, you know, you have husbands, and blah, blah, blah. And they were having this conversation, and the Samaritan woman actually walked away and went into her community and, and, and said, you know, lo and behold, you know, the, the, the prophet is here. Jesus Christ is here. Uh, can we go to the few slides? Next. in 39 and 41, right? It says that, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, now because not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that it's indeed, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Do you realize that this conversation that Jesus had with the woman was filled with love? If it was a condemning, judging situation, this woman will not leave and say, hey, you know this guy, he knows everything about me, you know, and he's a prophet. Will you go and say that? You won't. So it tells and it speaks a lot about the way Jesus interacted and treated people and how he valued people. Amen? The way um, Jesus called the disciples, they were less educated as compared to the whole entire society. But He called them, and they became the greatest leaders of the world. Amen? You see, there's a way that Jesus looks at people, and the way He puts weight and value on people, that gives them a liberty, and that's the way He actually speaks into a situation and prophesies. And I want to encourage us that um, we are not to be a football coach. You know, you're supposed to do this, or call it, or motivate people. We are supposed to seek the heart of God, and look at people through the lenses of God. This is what is going to liberate people. When you look at people, are you looking with your own lenses and judgments? Or are you looking at the heart of God and revealing it to them? I tell you, the world is starving for revelation and truth about the love of God. I can't emphasize this anymore. The world is starving. You walk out of this place, media lies to you every single day. They tell you you're not good enough, you need to lose weight in order to look good. You know They are lying to you every single day and we are being lied to every single day. The things that we watch, the things we read, the things we hear or subconsciously listen to, we are being lied to every day. I want to say that as believers, the prophetic is the ultimate tool of God's expression of love for His people. And it's, guys, it's not about us anymore. It's not about whether we are scared to prophesy. I want to encourage you to step out and prophesy. The, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. It's not just God's love for me casts out all the fear inside of me. It's my love for the people casts out all fear and therefore I dare to prophesy to the person on the street. You know, I want to share an example. Uh, um, I was on the way home from work one day and there was this uncle, you know, and this um, the Lord gave, gave me a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge. He said, two daughters. And then I was like, okay, two daughters. Uh, daughter, okay. And then I started talking to him and he said, uh, I said, Uncle, oh, are you married? You know, he said, no. I said, you know, you know, not married. How to two daughters, right? So I just keep quiet. I just talk to him. Uh, and I just like, just made friends, you know. At the end of the ride, Jason was, uh, he was waiting for me to come home. So I was in the cab for like another 10 minutes. Uh, he turned to me and he said, why you ask me about my marriage? Ah? And I said, oh, um, no, I'm just asking, you know. And he said, oh, I actually just divorced with my wife, you know. And I said, oh, Uncle, you know, actually just now, uh, I wanted to pray for you. Uh, can I pray for you? I heard the the Lord say that you have two daughters. You know, uh, and then I, I prophesied over him and I just released the word and I was just obedient to it. I was scared, but I was just obedient, right? And then he started like tearing up and he was like, how you know? Uh? How you know? Then I said, uh, I'm a Christian and Jesus told me. And he said, Wow, oh, you know what? Um, last week, right, there was another lady who shared with me about the gospel. Is it he died for me two thousand years ago? And and the gospel, he wanted to know the gospel, and we exchanged numbers, and he wanted to come to our church, just that he couldn't because of work, right? And and he started texting me, saying, "Thanks so much for praying for me. You know, I don't no longer feel lonely or guilty." And he showed me all the messages his daughter sent to him, of like like, "Daddy, how come you never buy this for me? Why you don't care about me?" And he started pouring out his heart to me. Why do I say this, guys? The world is starving for a revelation of God. It's not about whether we are scared. I, I just want to encourage us to get over our fears. If we, if we are contained in fear, the world will never know the goodness of God. It's not about us anymore. It's not about whether you throw your face on the floor. It's about them receiving a revelation of the love of God. I want to end with this story, and I'll get the band on stage when I was about 17 years old, I was actually walking around school because we were doing a prayer walk. And we were literally march around the school because we believed that the walls of Jericho would come down, right? Uh, and we did that. Then rain, then we run back, you know? And, and it was it was, it was was amazing. Uh, I had... I, I went... I slept, right? Uh, that very night. And... Uh, I, I had a spiritual encounter. In this spiritual encounter, uh, I... I was sleeping and I, I felt like there was I was caught up into a spiritual place. I don't know where it was. But suddenly I felt a bit of oppression. And uh, I started to hear screams. I heard screams of pain. And uh, it's, it's, it's not the normal kind of pain. It's like excruciation. And uh, I heard fire crackling. I heard young people screaming for their lives like they were burning in fire okay and i'm just don't get me wrong i'm not a doomsday preacher or whatever but i can't i can't water this experience down because i will be disobeying god but in this experience i heard the crackling of fire the pain that people were experiencing and so naturally what i did was i was like what's this i i it, it hit me that this was like it resonated like oh it reminded me of hell So what I did was in the spirit I saw myself stepping out on my bed and I didn't know what to do, but because the voices were coming up from the floor, so I just did this. I was like, you know, I want to step and I want to silence the the this experience, right? I was stepping and I didn't know what was happening. I was like stepping on cockroaches. And then lo and behold, when I was doing that, suddenly in one unison, right? I heard I heard like millions, okay? I heard it it was uncountable. It was like young people and old people, but mostly young people, they were shouting out in pain and they, they, they screamed, and they say, please share Jesus with me. Please share Jesus with me. Don't ask me how this works. I don't know. I don't know why they would be in pain and hell and then they would be shouting, please share Jesus with me. But I remember that when I had that experience, it marked me for my life. Because every time I saw somebody on the street, I would hear that cry. And and I couldn't turn an empty when I have a word of revelation for them, even if it's just to comfort, edify or exhort, I cannot turn away because the world is starving for a revelation of God and for us to share Jesus with them. Guys, we have so much here. You don't realize how much we have that we can give to the world and for them to receive it. You don't understand how much they are starving for it if we understood, we would not be living the lives we are living now. And I want to encourage you, it's not just on the street, it's not just, you know, beggars or whatever, it's in your workplace. They are starving for a revelation of God. Will you be the answer? Amen? Can I just invite you to stand? You know, for many of these people, you are the only way they will get to know God. And the prophetic is great. It's great for us to enjoy. It's great for us to edify the body. But today, I want to I activate the church to we make use of this prophetic tool to reach out to people around us. The world is starving for them to be told the truth. Father, I ask right now, will you come and put your burden in us? Why the prophetic God? Why do we have to function out of that? Will you come and give us a reason why? Will you reveal yourself?